Located on a narrow strip of land between the Aegean and Adriatic Seas, Corinth was a port city that drew people from various places around the world. Some stayed for a short time to enjoy the hedonistic vibe. Corinthians enjoyed the theater, Olympic-like games, and the great temple of Aphrodite with 1,000 prostitutes to aid worshipers. The Corinthian church was a bright light in a morally dark place, but they had many internal problems. Despite their toxic body life, the Corinthian believers were saints of God, and Paul included them among those sanctified in Christ Jesus. He urged them to live up to their high and holy calling, so they looked more like Christ than Corinth. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Here in America, if you want to take a trip to Sin City, you'll go to Las Vegas. But in first century Greece, you'd have gone to Corinth. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Corinth was Vegas before Vegas. Prostitution and debauchery ran rampant. And when a little of the pagan Corinthian culture began to infiltrate the church the apostle Paul had planted there, Paul took pen to parchment and wrote them a letter. What did he tell them? How much of what he said applies to our culture today? Stay right here to find out or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. With today's Something Good Radio message, 1 Corinthians, Body Life. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Well, the state of California is known for several things, uh, sunshine, surfing, and uh, Beach Boys music, right? The kind of music that made us wish they all could be California girls, right? Well, maybe not exactly, but uh, you know, you know the, the, the reputation that California has. Today, left-wing politics and loose living characterize the Golden State. For example, Showtime, the premium television network, captured the modern California spirit in a comedy drama called, are you ready for this? Californication. Now let that sink in a little bit. Talk about just pulling off the mask and calling it what it is. Californication? That season on Showtime, or that uh, series on Showtime, lasted for seven self-indulgent seasons. Now, 2,000 years ago, a significant Greek city called Corinth had a similar immoral reputation. In fact, ancient Corinth offered something for every known sinful desire, uh, making the word, the Greek word, Corinthiazomai, which means to be like a Corinthian. It meant uh, uh, notorious evil, debauchery, and uh, was synonymous with prostitution. However, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ was made for a city like Corinth. And so the Apostle Paul and others on his ministry team made their way to Corinth and planted a church there. But you know what they found? They found it difficult to keep Corinth out of the church. <laughs> the culture began creeping in uh, to that uh, sweet new fellowship there. Sound familiar? 
It's always a challenge to plant a church in the world and in the culture, but to keep the culture out of the church and to maintain the purity of the gospel. The overarching question I wanna ask this morning of us personally, as we uh, glimpse inside the life of this first century church called Corinth is, what part of your life, what part of my life looks more like Corinth or California than Christ? What, what part of our life is, is more overtaken by our culture? And thus, as we come to church, we're bringing the corrupt, immoral culture with us? That's a fair question for us to ask this morning as we look inside this church. Well, located on a narrow strip of land between the Aegean and Adriatic seas, Corinth was a port city that drew people from various places around the world. Some came to Corinth and they stayed for a, a short time to enjoy the hedonistic vibe. It's kind of like going to Las Vegas for the weekend, you know? What, what, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Maybe they said what happens in Corinth uh, stays in Corinth. But Corinth would creep into the person and the life and, and they would take some of that back to other places. According to historians, though, others, as many as 700,000 people, made Corinth their home. Corinthians enjoyed the theater. They enjoyed what was called the Isthmus Games, which was a precursor to the Olympic Games. They also enjoyed the great temple of Aphrodite with 1,000 prostitutes to aid the worshipers. This is Corinth. Uh, this was a Californication, as it were. It was an immoral city. The Apostle Paul came to Corinth on his second missionary journey, and you can read about that in Acts chapter 18. And while he was there, he met Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, they were believers in Jesus Christ. They were actually a, an Italian couple who escaped the persecution of Claudius and came to Corinth. And they were tent makers. And Paul was a tent maker. That's how he funded his ministry. And they joined uh, their businesses for a while, made tents together, and uh, supported their living. Paul also preached the gospel in the synagogue in Corinth until, um, well, he, he received some abusive opposition from the Jews. And this forced him, according to uh, Acts chapter 18, to move to the house of Titius Justice, a Gentile worshiper of God. Paul said at that point, I'm done with the Jews. From this point forward, I will head to the Gentiles. I'll go to the Gentiles. He was tired of the opposition. And Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, set his face toward the Gentiles at that point. After a vision from the Lord encouraging him to keep on speaking, uh, Paul remained in Corinth for another 18 months. And Paul eventually really wrote three letters to the Corinthians, according to chapter 5 and verse 6. Uh, the first letter he wrote is lost. We don't have a copy of it. And so in the Bible, 1 Corinthians is a second letter that Paul wrote uh, to the church during his third missionary journey in response to some disturbing news he uh, was hearing about the church. And in response to some, just some real questions they had about how to live out the Christian faith and, and be the body of Christ in Corinth. Uh, 1 Corinthians unfolds uh, rather nicely as you try to outline it. I've given you a, no, a chart in your notes and one will appear on the screen here. 
but I might call it uh, body life divisions in chapters one through four, because Paul learned that some in the church were fighting and quarreling and there were factions in the church. He addresses that. Body life disorder in chapters four and five, there's sin in the church as well. Gross immorality, and he has to address that. And then some body life discussions about a variety of topics that, and questions that they had sent him. He addresses these in chapters 7 uh, through 16. He writes, he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Got the picture there? Understand the context? Let's dive into some of these body life divisions in chapters one through four. Uh, chapter one of verse 11 tells us that Paul receives some bad news from Chloe's people. We don't know who Chloe is, but apparently they sent news to the apostle Paul that factions within the church were quarreling. People had divided into camps that followed various leaders. Uh, some followed Paul. Others followed a guy named Apollos, who was one of the visiting preachers. Others followed Peter. And before we get into the immorality in the, in the Corinthian church, divisions abounded. And such divisions were a sign of an immature church. It's a sign of an immature church uh, 2,000 years ago, and it's the sign of an immature church today when factions and fightings and quarrelings and divisions arise, especially when they celebritize certain preachers and pastors as they were doing with Paul. Some groups are saying, I follow Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Oh, I follow Peter. You know, still others had their noses, their spiritual noses in the air and said, well, I follow Christ. You know, I mean, it would be like if I came back from Israel and some said, well, I really like Dr. Autry and we need to get Reagan over here. And others were saying, no, Pastor Ron is just fine. And they were dividing into camps. Such immaturity. It was creating division within the church. Perhaps some followed Paul because he founded the church. Others might have been drawn to the eloquence of Apollos. Uh, those who... Uh, uh, were uh, loyal to Judaism, probably leaned toward Peter because, you know, he, he, he really leaned in that direction. Uh, but some, again, with their spiritual noses in the air, you know, we, no, we're, we're more spiritual and we follow Christ. Paul never suggested he or his colleagues did anything intentional to attract a following or to compete for the affections of the Corinthians. On the contrary, Paul says in uh, Chapter one, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. You know, it should never be a pastor or spiritual leader's goal to do anything more than serve God and his people faithfully. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out our Something Good travel experience. Travel beyond belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus or navigate Paul's missionary journeys. 
Several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org travel. The ancient Greeks loved their brand of wisdom and philosophy. Some of that worldly thinking had crept its way into the church at Corinth. The Apostle Paul's response comes your way next in the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, 1 Corinthians, Body Life. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. A part of what grieves my heart today as I look across the body of Christ and the swath of Christendom today is the celebritizing of pastors. And it works both ways. Congregations that, you know, almost worship the pastor. Oh, my, my pastor's Dr. Who Daddy. And, 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 and the pastors that invite it, all right? Now, the Apostle Paul um, rebu rebuked the Corinthians for doing that. And it doesn't take him long to correct the matter this way. He put the cross of Jesus Christ at the center of his letter. Should Paul, Apollos, or Peter accept the celebrity status given to them by the Corinthians? Paul says the cross of Christ would be emptied of its power. And so such uh, celebrity status, uh, Paul found completely unacceptable. He declares in chapter one and verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Contextually, he leaves us with the distinct impression that the best way to unite the body of Christ is to fix our eyes not on a celebrity leader, but on the cross of Jesus Christ. And may that always be the case. He goes on to show how God put his wisdom on display. Keep in mind, he's writing to Greeks who loved wisdom. You know, the Greeks made a party of just inviting the, uh, the speakers into their midst, the philosophers, the, the wisdom uh, curators, and uh, just marveling over their wisdom. And Paul, Paul takes a shot at that. And he says that God put his wisdom on display by choosing what is foolish in the world to shame the wise and what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He silences human boasting by choosing what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. And then he points this divided church to Jesus who he says became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know what I see Paul doing? When the church goes low, he goes high. I love that. They devolve into divisions and celebritizing human servants of God. And Paul corrects it by putting the cross of Christ at the center of his letter and dispelling the wisdom of the world and saying, no, I mean, God laughs at that and chooses the weak things of the world uh, to confound the wise. Unless the Corinthians devolve into a preaching contest between Paul and Apollos and Peter, and of course some of the sophisticated Greek elocutionists that were making the rounds and dazzling the crowds here and dazzling the crowds there. Paul sets the record straight and he says in... Um, Chapter 2 and verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And there was nothing dazzling about that to the Greeks. Nothing sophisticated about that. 
You know, in his letter to the Romans, uh, Paul says, the Jews seek for a sign. Show me something spectacular. And, and the Greeks after wisdom. Show me something sophisticated. But the cross of Christ was neither that to the Jews or to the Greeks. And as simple as it sounds to the worldly wise Greeks, Paul says the crucified Christ is enough. And it's still enough today, friends. We don't have to dress up the gospel. We don't have to celebritize our servants. It, it's, it's all about the crucified Christ, the crucified and risen Christ. He's enough. Unlike the Greeks, Paul did not rely on human wisdom to persuade the Corinthians. Instead, he says, my speech and my message were in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You get the distinct impression Paul was not a great public speaker. And to be compared to other great public speakers, Peter and Apollos and you know, the Greek elocutionists, Paul says, I, I, I'm not competing with that. I'm not going to dazzle you. He says, but my preaching comes in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Because when I fade off the stage, he says, I want your faith to connect to Christ, not to me. Not to me. Paul's discussion about the spirit who searches everything, even the depths of God, sets up some of the most direct words he writes to the Corinthians, telling them, listen to this, that they are of the flesh and infants in Christ. He says, you're mere babies the way you're acting, all divided around these servants of God. That's all we are, he says. Don't celebritize us. Paul views himself and his ministry colleagues as servants, not celebrities, as builders, not the foundations, as stewards of the mysteries of God and not owners. He differentiates between the spiritual, natural, and carnal or fleshy man. You know what the difference is? Uh, the spiritual person is the person who's a follower of Jesus Christ, has the Spirit of God in him, and is walking by the Spirit. The natural man is the person who does not know Christ and doesn't know the difference between the things Paul's talking about, quite frankly. He doesn't possess the Spirit of God. The carnal or fleshy person, he says, is a believer in Jesus Christ who has the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God comes to live in you at the moment of salvation. But the Spirit of God doesn't have the fleshy person. That person isn't walking by the Spirit and in demonstration of the Spirit's power. No, the world, the flesh, and the devil are what is influencing that person. By the way, that's the most dangerous person in the church. That's the most dangerous leader in the church who is um, categorically part of the saints of God. You're a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're living like and acting like a child of the devil because the Spirit of God isn't controlling you. This characterized the body-life divisions of this church. Paul says they're acting like babies, grow up in Christ. And I love his solution. He puts the cross of Christ and later the gospel at the center, at the center of his letter. Well, let's move on um, to some body life disorder 
that begins in chapter five. There's sin in the church as well. And chapter five begins with a shocking statement about an immoral relationship in the Corinthian church. Paul writes, are you ready for this? It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. When sexual immorality strikes anybody in the body of Christ, any professing Christian, it's a shocking thing. But there's some immorality that is so appalling that it leaves uh, even the unbelieving world aghast. <laughs> Unbelievers look around and say, we wouldn't even do that, and we're pagans. And that's what was happening in Corinth. Now, before we're too hard on the Corinthian church, let's understand from where they came. Unlike the Jerusalem church, that had a short walk from the Old Testament and Judaism, which arose between the Testaments, those 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew. You know, the Jerusalem church had a short walk from Judaism and the Old Testament to, to Christianity. Thanks for spending part of your day with us here at Something Good Radio. It's always a blessing to have you join us. And if you missed part of Dr. Ron Jones' message from 1 Corinthians, or if you'd like to hear it again, stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership has always been essential to fulfill the Great Commission. And today, Ron invites you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good Radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Exploring its amazing secrets, other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, just look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, go to somethinggoodradio.org and make the best gift you can. 
And as our way of saying thanks, we'll give you a copy of a new ebook by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with this series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The seventh in a series of eight ebooks is based on the Pauline Epistles. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. And you can also call our offices 757-276-1099. Paul says amidst all of your questions and your quarreling and your your debauchery living and all of that, he says, let's get back to first things. The most important thing is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to unite around that. In other words, the other matters he addressed in his letter are important but secondary, and they should not divide the church. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, 1 Corinthians, Body Life. So join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.